0: Hello friends! Today we bring you a new episode. In this episode we get a little bit more philosophical because we discuss very broad and deep topics. We connect the current historical moment with the past history and try to figure out whether the history repeats itself, whether it's cyclical or whether it's linear. Then we try to understand what historical moment in the past clearly resembles current situation, Um, and try to think about now through historical lens. How will historians assess modern period of time in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years? And what will they make of it? So, if you like deep topics, this episode is definitely for you, so subscribe to our channels and as always, enjoy. Again, I'm great. How about you? I'm I'm great as well. I'm really hyped for this uh, topic, for this episode. Today we're going to discuss like just current moment from the historical perspective, and try to connect history, like historical studies and just history, the science, to uh, analysis of the current, so to speak.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And for me, I guess like one of the greatest questions in history and historiography is always, is like this question, like whether the history repeats itself. Uh I guess, uh, yeah, I guess our listeners already heard about these ideas and there were so many ideas uh, dating to ancient Greece and, you know, Plato with his like study of governments and how um, type of governments change each other in this cyclical form or something. But um, it's just interesting because you definitely see that some patterns they reoccur over the time. Um, yeah, this this is
1: this is definitely true. But uh, I wouldn't, if we're asking the question does history repeat itself, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really say that it repeats itself. I would say it reiterates itself.
0: Yeah, I think I think I also won't say that history repeats itself because it's something like. It sounds a little bit uh, odd and not realistic, but there are definitely some patterns that, for some reasons, they reoccur. And, for example, now we can see it with nationalism, populism, Uh, what else, what do you say?
1: But actually, the question of nationalism is super interesting because... uh... We have had nationalist periods, you know, in history before. Yeah. But uh, when you look at the entirety of human history, nationalism is something super new. It's basically nineteenth century. Before the nineteenth century, the yeah. idea of nation uh, wasn't really a thing. Were you more had, you know, the idea of being a subject of a certain king? Before that, uh, you know, in ancient times, you had the idea of being a citizen of an empire or, you know, a republic or whatever. But the idea of a nation didn't really emerge un- until the 19th century. So it's interesting to see how the topic of nationalism re-emerges in modern history, but it's super new.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's relatively new, I would say. But um, yes, we definitely see there is like this need for nationalism and i guess it's also interesting because you know zeros were relatively stable i would say relatively boring period of time yeah um, maybe 90s as well especially for america but i mean nothing really i mean the world was very predictable to a certain point because people knew that nothing going to change you know america is on top and it kind of protects everyone and stuff like this but now it's completely it's completely like kind of tectonic in terms of everything is changing. We see the return of like this great power politics, at the same time the rise of nationalism. And it just it's just interesting to see how it you know, unfold in the future and how like future generations will look at us and what they say.
1: Yeah, you know what, what historians do uh, often is um, trying to fight a certain event that they consider to be the end of a certain era or, you know, a period in history. So you said that um, the period after, you know, 1990s up until, mm. you know, let's say our modern day was relatively calm and predictable. Uh, and now it isn't, right? So, um, it's not. Do you think... What what would you, as a historian, you know, who will be writing history in mm-hmm. 50 years, what, what event would you choose as the event that ended this period of boring mm-hmm. and boringness and nothing happening?
0: So for me, history is, of course, is always like a narrative, right? So when you write a history, historical book, you always choose certain events and you're going kind to of put them in this narrative to present it and to, to make this narrative compelling for your readers. I would say... Um, I would, for me, and this is really um, so. It's, it's, it's also personal for me, but it's also how I feel. I guess uh, definitely, for example, annexation of Crimea was a very important event. So I would say, mm-hmm. it's like the decline of American power. Through, if I were to write something like a book about geopolitics, I would say it's certainly um, like this. Annexation of Crimea because I was also in Russia back then and uh, I felt this national this rise of nationalism. Every, every like in a moment, everyone became a kind of like a great supporter of Putin and of Russian government. Um, I would say like this shift that happened um, um, in Asia in terms of the rise of China. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, Uh, and this is just, if we talk about, you know, geopolitics, you can have so many perspectives and, uh, for example, right, right with iPhones and with uh, mobile computers, it just basically also changed us and changed uh, our life, but it doesn't, it's not really connected to any kind of government or, I mean, it's connected to definitely to one company, but not the entirety of, uh, of a nation. So
1: yeah, that's true. It's, you know, social changes that, you know, took root all over the world. That's interesting to point out. Yeah.
0: So it's mainly about perspective and I think uh, for me the perspective would be definitely the decline of American power and how other powers like Russia or China try to um, kind of like fill the vacuum or just try to... I mean with Russia for me it's a little bit more complicated case because it's interesting how it tries to reassure itself on the international level and one can make even you know this uh, kind of connections between like kind of like the third Reich or even like imperial japan in 30s and more modern russia mm-hmm. because it felt um, largely humiliated in 90s and euros and uh, so it's just like the whole the whole narrative in Russian politics was, well, it's just in in common people that he just lost this war, and instead of yeah. getting something beneficial from from the West, it got like, just definitely humiliation. You know,
1: the... exactly uh, the, the topic of humiliation is huge. Um, you've mentioned Germany after World War One. Mm-hmm. It's a great example, and you you can see how. The Allies learned their lesson after World War Two that you shouldn't just you know humiliate Germany totally you know, you, know, you know just leave them to themselves. You you know the Americans invested in the Marshall Plan to rebuild Germany so that you know uh, nationalism or some other radical ideas did not take root again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a great example of humiliation when you go back to the nineteenth uh, century and you know uh, Bismarck in politics how Bismarck conducted his politics. Uh, For example, when he won his war with Austria, he could have basically taken most of their lands away from Austria. But he knew that this isn't really a good idea because this would just humiliate the Austrians and make any cooperation in the future impossible. Uh, So he just, you know, he just took a bunch of land that he needed and Mm -hmm. didn't humiliate Austria at all, uh, which then allowed him to have an alliance with Austria later, which is, you know, just very smart thinking about diplomacy. And... uh, sometimes statesmen forget it like in the case of uh germany after world war one and now russia after the fall of the soviet union which was definitely a humiliating blow for the russian people
0: yeah uh, that's right and uh, the whole i mean the whole just not not only narrative but you can see this feeling when you talk to russians it's just like yeah we were humiliated and you know now we show the world that we still a very powerful nation and we still like we matter we do matter and this is, yeah, when, when people don't, uh, I guess, don't, I guess, for Americans it was really important to push in this way because uh, for them it was a little bit, it was not devastating war, because it still was very hard to win this, you know, Cold War and it was very ideological and they kind of wanted to, to show that now they're on the apex and now they're on, like, the, the, like, their main power in the world, kind of Pax like Americana, you know, and Um, This is just, yeah, This is they don't learn, I guess, mistakes. But you also should remember, I guess, that America is not Europe, so it has different kind of thinking about, you know, European politics, and it's a little bit on top of the hill, so to speak, and that's why maybe it's forgot that, um, you know, nationalism has tendency to uh, happen again in European countries, especially when they are uh, humiliated by some other nation.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that, Uh, America is a different country. It's not European. Um, many uh, scholars uh, and actually contemporary, you know, political theorists after World War II uh, mm-hmm. were saying that America is not ready to be a great world power because, for most of its history, America has been isolation isolationists, and do not they do not know how to conduct, you know, mm-hmm. efficient diplomacy as a great world power, and. Um, and currently many modern historians for example criticize Woodrow Wilson that he wanted to be you know after world war 1 this new world leader but he actually totally failed at this because the establishment that he proposed ultimately failed after 20 years yeah. Um, yeah so it's interesting how America had to become mature you know in order to be a world power
0: yeah it took them it took them a while but um... When they got into this uh, it feels like they they behaved a little bit like bastards you know in terms of they did not really I mean they just stopped uh, you kind know, of taking seriously other countries in terms of just stop thinking in this sort uh, of power politics way that you know any kind of disbalance in power can lead to some conflicts and some disturbances so you need either to accommodate like Russia you know just I mean, if they, i mean, for example, in just if you just take historical facts, you know, the Soviet Union had a big debt, and instead of like just saying, "Yeah," I mean, you know, we don't need to pay this money. They forced them to pay this debt, uh, which kind of like affected the whole economy and everything, um, which kind of collapsed actually Russian economy. Um, and I mean, they were definitely in the position to just uh, say, "Well, yeah," you know, let it go something like this. The same with uh, mm-hmm. the same with I guess uh, expansion of uh, NATO. If you know if they had expanded NATO but would offer Russia something like I don't know free trade agreement maybe with the European Union or something maybe then it would be just a you know kind of fair deal but then it was uh, behind the closed doors and uh, Russia like wasn't uh, in talks and didn't participate in talks so.
1: Yeah it was pretty arrogant and arbitrary. Yeah
0: so this is and this is, yeah, how the history, to a certain point, I would say, reoccurs, yes? And it repeats itself, because you just see kind of same patterns in terms of, I mean, definitely Cold War is not the same type of war as, you know, First World War, but at the same time, we still have same kind of power stages, right? And after, you know, Cold War, you definitely got, like, someone who lost this war, someone who won this war, and... Yeah. how it determines, actually, modern geopolitics and modern international relations and yeah and that's why i think it's also hard to say um you know whether russia could be democratic if if um, just russia was actually the first case of nationalism in europe one can say that because uh, putin since the beginning he was like super nationalistic and he kind of like caught this trend you know even in the euros he already was there mm-hmm. but then other european countries still followed suit right so we will see like the rise of nationalism in in europe uh, which is a little bit disturbing but um i guess we'll see how it goes
1: i guess the rise of nationalism in in the eu especially i think um we didn't really see it emerging too much before the immigration crisis Mm -hmm. uh it's you know uh, it doesn't matter if you think that immigration is good or bad. It's actually a, it's actually a fact that it caused a rise of nationalism. Because many yeah. you know, right-wing uh, parties uh, created this narrative that, oh, our culture is in danger. You know, now we'll have those foreign immigrants who will bring uh, Islam and you know, convert our children. Uh, and this, I think, gave the rise to uh, nationalism in the EU. And so the mm-hmm. reason is a bit different than in Russia, but the timing is similar. Yeah,
0: but do you, do you see nationalism as necessarily a bad thing, or it's kind of like neutral, you know, from time to time, even again, it should happen from time to time to kind of uh, get the nation together, maybe.
1: Uh, it's a really uh, tough topic to say. I personally mm-hmm. would wouldn't like to see any nationalism at all, but it's, you know, it's more uh, about my political views than, you know, uh, any, um, let's say, coherent uh, policy agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I agree that nationalism, well, it it had to appear for some reason, right? Uh, It appeared, for example, in the 19th century because many uh, minorities were being oppressed, right? And they united behind the idea of a nation to, you know, win their freedom. Uh, but in modern days uh, i think nationalism is more an obstacle than something that helps and in the 19th or 19th or even 20th century it helped to create you know some free states nation states but nowadays i don't see too much uh, too much good coming out of nationalism i'm i'm all for patriotism but i think nationalism is just
0: uh, but do don't, you know. don't you think there is a connection between kind of patriotism and uh, nationalism i guess it's-
1: not really, because
0: patriotism is
1: more about um, taking care of your immediate surroundings, where you were raised, where you were born, and it, it, is, it doesn't exclude anyone. Nationalism mm-hmm. very often excludes people. If, you, if you're a nationalist and a patriot, you, mm-hmm. what you will want to do is to have your nation great and you might have you know uh, some reservations about people of different nationalities coming to your country because you are for the for the greatness of your nation not mm-hmm. other nations and in the meantime a patriot would say yeah i don't care uh, about migrants coming in or actually i support them coming in because i know that they will support our workforce and mm-hmm. everybody will have you know better wages or whatever uh, so i think the distinction between patriotism is, and nationalism is important uh, and honestly, I am not a huge fan of nationalism. Okay,
0: I guess. Uh, but just, it's
1: totally subjective.
0: It's I guess there was like a very famous quote by Charles de Gaulle. who said something, something like patriotism is when you love your country, uh, nationalism is when you hate other uh, nations or other countries or something like this. Um, or, yeah. Or kind of like yeah. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Maybe let's just switch to some period of time that you know. I guess we know. You know a lot about history, and uh, just what time in history? What do you think about what historical periods in time, especially maybe twentieth century, like resemble you current state of affairs or current, you know,
1: just current world? Mm-hmm. That's that's a great uh, question. Uh, maybe I would say that the period sometimes around. Around the Crimean War in 1850s, mm, because really um, you have you have uh, you know some uh, world powers. You have you know a multilateral system, which has been stable for some time after the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty stable, but you're starting to see some cracks, and that the countries that used to cooperate now have you know conflicting uh, agendas. And you see some local conflicts, but it's still not enough to start some major, you know, global conflict. So um I think this might be an interesting comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you? What would you say?
0: For me I'm more I'm more leaning towards like twentieth century definitely. It's something around let's say first second world wars, because I just feel it's the same in terms of it's not a kind of, I wouldn't say it's vibe, but, you know, I, I feel the same kind of, like, unpredictability uh, Like, un- 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 like just the situation is not really stable and you can just see how it's changing, it's changing very rapidly And also in terms of, you know, science and technology, because uh, we just discover things that we've never seen And we just, like, transform human beings by giving them, you know, mobile phones The same, I mean, the same thing happened, you know, in the 20th century with electricity, with cars, with lots of stuff so I think it's like for me because of maybe the technology. It's more I just see how you know how fast it's all so growing and moving and just and how like how they shape uh, society and human beings. So I would say it's 20th century. It's also for me as we discussed before. I see Russia is like very resentful country right now. Um, very kind of like Russia as a country wants to restore its kind of power status. And it's still kind of you can one can argue, yeah, they kind of already did this, but you never know in the head of you know one person who rules this country, and this can lead to further conflicts and I mean the two kind of powers that you can have a conflict today with is like definitely Russia and China, so I would say it's it looks like very similar for me in terms of like this uh, maybe after World War one or something and maybe even before World War one, depending on your stance depending you think after World War one um I'm not sure about World
1: War one because um after World War one we had a very artificial uh, political international system which you know collapsed basically twenty years after its introduction
0: yeah but and uh, yeah anyway, just I just just want to end but you know if if something the war erupts, probably people would say, well, you know where the causes of this war like were you know it's like uh, in the 90s when Russia was like humiliated or something like this so you see you can also have this kind of connection it's like people saying you know world war one and world war two is just the one war kind of you know it's like just strange in the history because it had same causes and same roots Um, i would say that since as we discussed you know kind of the end of the cold war defines our modern time i would go into putting here but of course you know of course so we have nuclear weapons and system is stable just because it cannot really go they like two countries like the US and Russia couldn't really go into war because it would be like a nuclear war. But you can expect something because it's also dangerous to have Russia because Russia is not a Soviet Union, has less power, it has less um, capabilities. But it's, it's kind of it can be very provocative in this in this sense you know it kind of can play very well with cars that it has, you know. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, definitely. Russia is still a formidable player.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people kind of forget this and try to further. I mean, try to push further on it and um, kind of alien, alienated, uh unfortunately. um Yeah. So maybe let's just switch to our third topic and just you know, from the perspective of our ancestors, let's just. I mean, it's, defi- <laughs> it's definitely feeling like a historical moment, right? Like historical period of time.
1: Um, yeah, so, it definitely is. It's a, you know, time, like a transitional period in history.
0: So, oh, I mean, it's, it's hard because uh, it's it just, there's so many possibilities, you know, when where we are in historical terms. There's so many possibilities where we can go. And there's so many, like, perils and so many risks, I think, to humanity right, right now. Um it's just hard I mean how I mean as a historian how would you see a current period um, in books you know in 20 30 years it's just interesting
1: I think um I would say that um, one period was the post-war period uh, between uh, 1945 and 1990 mm-hmm. uh, and then I would say that we have a transition we had a transitional period to a new system which took place between 1990s and uh, 2010s 20s because we still live in this post-world War two system mm-hmm. but it has there, there are cracks in this system and I think everybody expects a big reshuffling of power so I would I would still categorize it as a uh, basically one historical period between World War two and 2020s I think mm. um, but the last 30 years of this period, I would say it's a transitional period to the new historical uh, era. Of course, we do not know what will come uh, soon, but th- those are my predictions for now. What, what is your take on this?
0: My take, I would, I would say for me, is just if you define it historically, it would definitely be something post-World War, which was marked by, you know, this American hegemony. And as it declines, you have those events and you have all this kind of conflict. And so for me, it's definitely this period, it's still going on. I mean, America is still definitely biggest power in the world, but you can definitely see uh, its decline. And through this decline, a lot of things happen. Uh, but I'm also a little bit positive in terms of uh, it's a great time for science, a great time for technology. It's like you definitely feel something big is coming you know in science and technology because uh, the world is changing so fast it's really hard even to follow follow the news
1: <laughs> yeah true it's super so it's super rapidly changing
0: it's changing and of course there is for, for me as a historian I would, I would also say but for me it would it be like this the period of decline of american power but um, we don't know the end of the story because to get a new kind of like uh, institutional setting, you need to have some war or some kind of conference or agreement between the powerful states, which, for example, with yeah, China... Yeah, event. Yeah, with China sounds super unrealistic uh, until, you know, whether they come to the table and say, yeah, we go, go you know, we pull back troops from Taiwan, you take Taiwan and you do whatever you want, maybe in Asia, but we kind of keep Europe or something like this, then it would be definitely a new system. But, you know, it's, you know, it sounds, uh, it sounds uh, silly because it won't happen like this It will be maybe a war or some conflict or whatever So, for me, it's just interesting to admire this period because it's unfolding But also in terms of giving predictions, I guess predictions can be bad uh, because I mean, even with virus, you know, people, sometimes I watch uh, kind of YouTube videos and people mentioned virus, you know, in like 2011, 2017, the biggest threat to humanity now, you know, virus happened. Um, which brings us to the point that we are so vulnerable as a humanity. And Yeah, I agree. Virus is not the worst thing that could happen to us. Oh, no, many more
1: worse things could happen.
0: Yeah, but let's, I mean, let's still kind of end this podcast uh, on a positive note, <laughs> um, <laughs> because it, it was a little bit uh, depressing. Depressing. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, for me, like, can you say something positive, what do you expect from the world in the future?
1: Um, you know, let's say as a, a historian, um, mm-hmm. when you look at the history of uh, humanity, you see constant progress. Mm-hmm. You maybe sometimes have periods of you know going back a little bit but those periods pass and ultimately you humanity has always gone forward be it in technology or social rights uh, or wealth you basically always go forward you had mm-hmm. periods like you know world war 2 which brought destruction but the world after world war 2 for many people were uh, it was way better for many people after world war 2 uh, after the Marshall Plan, for example, in Germany, or mm-hmm. you know, overall, we always go forward as humanity. And even if we take a step back, we will always go back to the right path. So I guess this is my optimistic message for
0: yeah. for the end
1: of this episode.
0: Those are those are great words, I guess. And we wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks, yeah. thanks for listening to us. Uh, subscribe to our channels. Contact us uh, on Twitter. Uh, or just Yeah, just share our podcast with your friends and stay safe. Bye. Yeah, stay tuned. Bye.